Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. But Proverbs 4, 5 says, learn to be wise. Learn to be wise, he said. Learn to develop good judgment and common sense. I cannot overemphasize this point, the scripture says. Cling to wisdom. She will protect you. Love her. She will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. If you exalt wisdom, she will exalt you. Hold her fast, and she will lead you to great honor, and she will place a beautiful crown upon your head. Wisdom. That's what happened with Solomon. Amen. Great honor. He was exalted. So we need to learn to be wise. It takes effort to learn. Amen. You can ruin your destiny and the plans God has for your life in a series of stupid decisions. There's safety and wisdom, the Bible says, in a multitude of qualified counselors. You need some feedback from people before you go out and spend that big sum of money or uh, propose to somebody. Maybe I better get some input. Amen. The basic Hebrew word for wisdom means skillful, to have wit. The root word means to be wise in your mind, in your words, and your actions. Wisdom is not only education, but it's applied education. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge is only potential power. The Oxford Dictionary says it's the capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct. It's a soundness of judgment in our choices, it says. So it's this um, quality of discernment, of prudence, of skillfulness, of discretion. Amen? So... Just because somebody has a university degree doesn't mean they possess wisdom. Nothing wrong with a university degree. I, I was watching, uh, just to uh, digress for a moment, a great um, uh, documentary on the uh, announcer that does all the sports announcing, Gus Johnson. I don't know if you know who that is. 
he did a lot of the Michigan games, and he he's from Detroit. He's from a neighborhood just down the street from my family, as a matter of fact. And Augustus Johnson, Gus Johnson, I mean, he's at the pinnacle uh, of success as an announcer. And uh, he's like in his mid-50s, and he gets an invitation to go to Harvard for a one-year program. Now, why does he need to go to Harvard at 50? He's already at the pinnacle. He's, he's making a boatload of money. He's esteemed by all of his colleagues and this, that. But he goes back to Harvard, and this hour-long documentary uh, shows his back and forth to Harvard and then to the football games and announcing and this and that and the other thing. And it was just amazing. I was so proud. And when he got his diploma, he had went to Howard he said, but because he got a job in, of all places, Waco, Texas, doing sports announcing, he missed his graduation. And he said, this makes up for it. And then they show him in the school system uh, imparting his wisdom and inspiring kids to go for it, bought them all Harvard backpacks and say, this is your destiny. You're destined for greatness. You're destined to achieve great things, but you're going to need some more education. And in our world, in this lesson, we not only need some more education, we need to know how to apply the lessons we're learning. Education gives you information and facts, but God's wisdom leads you to live by divine principles that bring solutions and answers. Hallelujah. I wish I had time to, to get into Daniel. Daniel was a slave in captivity when King Nebuchadnezzar came and took Israel all back to Babylon. And in Daniel 5.12, it talks about Daniel, Belteshazzar, who had special abilities, knowledge, and wisdom. He was able to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems no one else could. That can be you. That can be me. Because the same spirit that was in Daniel is in us. Praise God. Just like Daniel, you can reach a higher and higher status in life. How did Daniel do it? He studied God's Word. He faithfully prayed daily, three times a day, with the window open, even when the king said no one can pray. And then he spent the night with some cool cats. <laughs> And came through it okay. But he applied God's word, didn't he? Brought him great wisdom, great favor. And like Daniel, like Solomon, like these craftsmen in Exodus 28, God has deposited in each of us that seed of wisdom. God, put miracle grow on our lives today as we apply ourselves to learning your word and help me grow above every problem, every challenge in my life. Help me to see the solution, to see the answer, to use your principles and wisdom to be an overcomer. 
turn and tell somebody God's wisdom changes everything. Praise God. God's wisdom changes everything. Now in these last few minutes, um, let's get into what wisdom is meant to produce. There's many things wisdom is meant to produce. Proverbs 9.1 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn it out of seven pillars. Seven pillars. Seven fundamental foundational truths. And Pastor James, the first pastor of the New Covenant Church, gives us an amazing summary that is probably drawn out of this scripture in Proverbs 9. And he talks about building your life and developing your character is the wisdom of God. And so turn with me to James 3. James 3.17. This is from the Amplified. The wisdom from above is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, then peace-loving, courteous and considerate, gentle, reasonable, willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruit. It is unwavering without self-righteous hypocrisy and self-serving guile. So there's a lot going on there, a lot to unpack, but it's a biblical list. Out of wisdom flows conduct. Out of wisdom, God's wisdom, flows attitude, behavior, and conduct, the ABCs of life. So let's go through this list. Pure. Wisdom makes us pure. The wisdom of God helps us to be morally and spiritually undefiled. That's the first quality listed. So the first thing that wise people do is they hold holiness and morality and righteousness in the highest regard. It's a top priority. You could boil it all down to love God, hate sin. Love God, hate sin. How do you roll? I love God, hate sin. Amen. Number two, peace loving. Wise people are peacemakers. Wise people appreciate shalom, peace. They're peacekeepers. They focus on finding agreement and common ground and trying to diffuse arguments rather than start arguments. I need to work on that. <laughs> I'm a good arguer. I should have been an attorney. <laughs> have you ever seen Jamie Foxx in the movie The Burial? He's an attorney. It's just so good. It's, what a good movie with Tommy Lee Jones. Anyway. We just had watched that. so <laughs> Peace-loving 
people are wise people that are motivated to be courteous and considerate. See, there's an outcome of going to church. <laughs> there's outcomes. Why are we doing all of this? So I can learn how to be peace-loving, courteous and considerate, avoiding division and strife and turmoil. I had a chance to do that yesterday. Out in my front yard, we have this sign, uh, Vote Biblical Values. And not all my neighbors like that sign. <laughs> and one neighbor was furious yesterday. And she took it out on my lawn care guy. <laughs> because a little bucket full of leaves blew down the street and she was just madder than a hornet that there's leaves blowing down the street. She's texting Lydia. She's harassing the guy. And uh, she even at one point came out with her own leaf blower blowing them back towards uh, my front yard. <laughs> and, and I said, look... We've been, doing, we've been in this neighborhood for 20 years. We never had any problems like this. What's changed? Honey, the only thing that's changed is that sign in the front yard that says, uh, 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 vote biblical values. So I said, it's probably that. Because other neighbors said the same thing. They were all, uh, uh, some have given me the thumbs up. But some of them have given me another <laughs> But so, so I just realized, number two there, I needed to be peace-loving. So I'm all smiles and happy and, oh, we got it covered. It's a, he, he, all, he always bags up everything. And then I had him go on the other side, on, uh, across the street, down this way, down that way, and, and rake up all the leaves that were kind of gathered on that side. And, and then I said, look. Here's an extra $25 for hazard pay. <laughs> he looked at me like, okay, thank you very much. Peace loving. Number three, gentle. And look, I, I need to work on these things. Because uh, I'm a football, I'm the son of a football coach and an ex-Marine who played fullback for the Marine football team. And I just grew up with this in my face every day. Son! <laughs> so I still, all 40 years later, I'm still trying to work through some of this. But gentle people are patient people and kind people, empathetic people and forgiving people, qualities that God wants us all to develop and cultivate, right? And so we're learning to be respectful with our words and how we act towards others. You know, I guess part of me wanted to blow that lady out. <laughs> You're making a big fuss over a bunch of leaves! <laughs> but I didn't. I kept myself in check. Number four, reasonable. Wise people are reasonable people. They'll listen. They know that the first side of every story seems to be true until you hear the other side. 
and we try to uh, make decisions and apply the word with fairness, with impartiality. Amen? I've always tried to live by the concept to choose what's right over being right. What's right? Number five, full of compassion. Good fruit. Wise people are merciful people. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And so there's other people in our neighborhood or in your job or wherever. They deserve something. To the moon, Alice, to the moon. Remember the honeymooners? Jackie Gleason. We just need to get to the point where we're concentrating on how can I be a blessing. Amen. Lord, help me to be wise and think about how I can be a blessing. How I can help someone else. Amen. How can I make the world a better place? Amen. Full of compassion, mercy, grace. Number six, unwavering is also called being impartial. A wise person doesn't play favorites. They work towards being fair-minded, unbiased, and equitable. And we want to come across in our life and in our decision-making as balanced people, not irrational people. Although people look at my sign and some think I'm irrational. Biblical values. I'm an elder in the church, one guy said. You don't really believe that you're supposed to take the Bible uh, literally, do you? Yeah. <laughs> as far as I knew, that was kind of how you did it. <laughs> and that being impartial has in it this sense of integrity, a sense of stability. Amen. Your family needs you to be a stable person. Amen. Your family needs you. Your nation needs you. Your God needs you to be a man or a woman of integrity that has values and convictions, and you will stand on those things. You'll, you'll be wise if you do that. Number seven, it says, without hypocrisy. Wise people learn to speak the truth in love. I need to add the in love part. <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> speak the truth in love. Amen. Because the world needs to have fewer hypocrites and more genuine people, authentic people, real people, honest people that don't live by double standards. There's no deceit. There's no dishonesty. There's no being phony. I'll tell you this, what you see with me here is what you get. <laughs> if you live in my house, you get this and a whole lot more. Especially because I love to sing and I've got a soundtrack for everything. And so I'm always stirring up the joy of the Lord and singing and trying to keep myself from uh, uh, going to the dark side. Amen? So 
Here, here's the, uh, the, the conclusion as we uh, uh, end this thing is, how many of you know that the road to success is always under construction? And here from uh, Pastor James, he's saying wisdom is developing godly character. And what Gus Johnson said in his documentary, I uh, watched it, uh, actually I watched it from 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. the other day, Friday morning. And uh, so why was I doing that? I don't know. God wanted me to see it. But he said something. He said, because uh, they asked, well, why are, you at 50, why are you doing this? Because my daddy always told me, Gus, there is no finish line. And man, that just, I needed to just remember that. I'm 69 years old. People my age are thinking about retiring. I'm thinking there is no finish line in what God can do in your life, in my life, and how all of that can manifest into bigger and greater things. There is no finish line. And so, thank the Lord we're running this race together. Amen. It's, a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? And I appreciate that you're stretching yourself. You're willing to equip yourself. You're willing to really train yourself to be the best you can be in the kingdom of God. So keep up the good work. Amen? Say amen and give the Lord a praise. God love you. God bless you. Thank you for Zooming with us. Have a great day in church. And remember, right after the service today, uh, pastor has a leadership rally for anyone. If you're currently uh, serving somewhere in the church or if you're interested, everyone should be interested, uh, grab a coffee, grab a cookie in the lobby, come back in, and Pastor will do about a 15, 20-minute uh, inspirational rally with us. Amen. God love you. God bless you. Have a great week.